Kaya FM 95.9. Sidebar every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Well, it's a very good evening to you. It's just gone a minute after seven. You are listening to Kaya FM 95.9. This is the home of the Afropolitan and you are listening to Sidebar with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. I am not Dr. Cindy Van Sale. Instead, my name is Sotomayor, standing in for the good doctor who is still feeling a bit under the weather. Um, so I'm going to be standing in for her for the rest of the week until Thursday. So hopefully she'll be back with us next week. Same time, same place, right here on the home of the Afropolitan. So you're wondering what we are talking about today. We're talking about, I mean, first of all, I think the biggest thing that's happened today, you know, one of the major things that have happened today is the fact that, you know, kids have gone back to school. Talking in particular about um, children in the public school sector. Um, I saw pictures on Instagram, on Twitter, lots of proud parents, kids that are going to grade Nord, grade one, matric, um, all sorts of amazing pictures that uh, many parents have been showing of their kids um, going off to school. But I think... Um, Sometimes in the midst of the excitement, we don't talk about certain things that affect certain kids and certain parents. And I'm talking about learning challenges. We're not going to call them disabilities because they're really just challenges. And something that, you know, I think um, many times if you have the right support, if kids have the right support, they can actually maneuver um, through those uh, challenges. So we're going to be talking about learning challenges and we're going to be joined on the line by educational psychologist. His name is Dr. Hannes Vessels. And we're going to be talking about ADHD. We're going to look a little bit about the different kinds of ADHD, other different kinds. Um, what does it mean? How do you get over it? How do you get through it? Do you suspect that maybe your child might have some sort of... Um, learning uh, challenge uh, but they haven't been diagnosed yet you don't know where to turn you don't know if you should be getting help the number to dial this evening is 086-00-00959 i will repeat that number it's 086-00-00959 we are talking learning challenges and we're talking to educational psychologist his name is dr vessels because a conversation a day is exactly what the doctor ordered. Sidebar with Cindy every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. It is now three minutes after seven. If you are just joining us, you're listening to Sidebar with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. My name is Sotomayor and I'm standing in for the good doctor. And uh, today we are talking about learning um, challenges. We're talking about ADHD. We're talking about dyslexia. We're talking about any other learning challenges that kids may come up against. And joining me on the line now is Dr. Hannes Vessels, who's just going to help us navigate through this conversation. You are more than welcome to just give us a call if maybe you'd like to comment, if you've been through the same thing or or if you are at a point where you think something might be up with your child and you're not exactly sure and you just want to ask some questions, the number to dial is 86 Dr. Vessels, thank you so much um, for joining us. Thank you, thank you. Um, so I'm not a doctor, so you can just call me Hannes. Or I can call you Hannes. Okay, great stuff. Yeah, I can call me Hannes, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Hannes, for joining us. <laughs> yes, and I think this is a very important um, conversation because, you know, I think for many parents, when your kids go off to school, at no point do you um, think that your child might struggle in school or they might have something that they have difficulty with. And I think that's what makes it so difficult for many parents to, to deal with because you have a perfectly okay child and then somebody tells you that something...
something might not be right with your child. Your child is struggling at school. I think that's part of the reason why this is very difficult for many parents to navigate through. So should we start with talking about the different um, learning challenges? Should we start with the one that I suppose we hear a lot but maybe do not understand, ADHD? Yeah, okay, so, uh, so do you want me to run over the different challenges that we have with these particular ones? Yeah, so maybe we can start with what exactly is ADHD? For somebody that's listening okay. and trying to figure it out, what is it? So basically ADHD is if there's a persistent pattern of inattention or hyperactivity or impulsivity difficulties of a child. So normally uh, ADHD uh, gets split into two categories. So you have your inattention category mm-hmm. and then you have the impulsivity category or your hyperactivity category. So it's basically um, children fidget around and they play around and, and they, they are impulsive and inattentive. But when it is at such a level where it disturbs academic and normal functioning, that's when we start looking at the diagnosis of, of ADHD. So ADHD would be that uh, the acronym would stand for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And you talked about the different types. You talked about um, the hyperactivity uh, and you talked about the restlessness as well. Is yeah. it possible to have a combination? Yeah, of course. So you get the three, you, you basically get either inattentive or either hyperactive impulsive or you can get the combination of the two. Okay, well. so you could have a combination of the two. And how is it diagnosed? Because um, I would think it would be a little bit difficult, especially for kids that are a lot younger, kids that are in grade not grade one. Because mm. I have a daughter in grade one, and in j- she's just a ball of energy. So <laughs> at what point do you figure out that this might not just be a normal six-year-old versus yeah. um, there might just be something here? Yeah, so, so at the moment, according to my knowledge, um, ADHD is very, it's a symptom-based disorder. So we look at and behaviors. And normally when we look at a diagnosis as an educational psychologist, uh, you don't look just at one point of information. You use a variety of, of sources of information. So the, the, the variety of sources would be what we call formal assessments, informal assessments, um, interviews, observations, and then we look at, at history. So we take information from all five, five of those sources. So and then we start looking at a profile and we um, compare then the behaviors and the symptoms to other people her age. And then we can see if it's out of the norm or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, does that answer your question? It answers my question definitely because I think for a lot of parents you might wonder, you know, and I think a lot of parents will also say that my child does not have ADHD, they're just a normal child. It's a young child, she's just, you know, she's she's a little bit restless, um, sometimes you've just got to rein her in, this is not ADHD. So that does sort of help um, for somebody yes. that's listening and wondering, are we dealing with ADHD or are we just dealing with a child that is just, you know... Um, just going through whatever it is that they're going through as children. Um, yeah. yeah. So if you're just joining us, it is seven minutes after seven. We're talking to Harness Vessels. We're talking about the different learning challenges. Um, at the moment, we're talking about ADHD. We're talking about the symptoms of ADHD. We're talking about what it is, what does it mean, how is it diagnosed, and more importantly, how do you as a parent start to deal with it? So Harness, once you get the diagnosis, and I would imagine that the first place where something is picked up is usually in school, right? Yeah, so um, I always, uh, I'm always so grateful for, for teachers that are on the ball and they start identifying it very early and then uh, speaking that with parents. You know, we really underestimate the power and the work of, of teachers. And so if there's any teachers that have picked up listening and that have picked up any things that have children, I have to just thank them for that. 
Um, so unfortunately, by the time we see a lot of children, it is too late and people are in denial about difficulties. But I would say, as soon as you pick up something, you have a suspicion, it would not be unwise just to go for an assessment, just to double check. Mm-hmm, that if something is yeah. wrong... Uh, and whether or not it is a learning disability or maybe your child just needs extra classes. Also, as well, yeah. you know, Hannes, how do you know? I mean, so say your child is struggling to learn how to read. Like, how do you know that it, we might be just needing just extra attention, extra classes versus yeah. we could be dealing with something else that's bigger here? Exactly. So, so the first thing, the first one of the first criteria we look at when we look at diagnosing a learning difficulty or ADHD is we're looking at the persistence of the problem is has the person, are they still experiencing the same problem over and over despite evidence-based treatments or remediation or intervention by a teacher or a a multidisciplinary team? So if there's a persistent difficulty, that's when we start looking um, for a a, a diagnosis potentially. But we also take context into consideration as well. So... um, South Africa has 11 main languages. So the first thing we need to look out for is firstly, is it not maybe a language barrier that's causing this? Or mm-hmm. can it be an environmental barrier? Can it be maybe a noise outside of the class? So there are so many things that we have to take into consideration when looking at a diagnosis. So it's, it's always a, a paradox for, for uh, parents to say, when, when should I react versus when am I overreacting? And I think uh, a lot of them are torn between those so, uh, am I just thinking this up or uh, is it really mm-hmm. a problem? Or is there really a problem? The number to dial yeah. is 0860-00959. We're talking to an educational psychologist. We're talking to Hannes Vessels and we're talking about ADHD and we're also talking about other learning um, problems, learning challenges that children may come across. So, um, Hannes, so now you have gone through the motions of figuring out what is wrong. Well, mm-hmm. Let me not say what's wrong, but what is going on with your child mm-hmm. and you've come to the diagnosis that your child has got ADHD. What's the first step? What happens? Because all sorts of things, information is flying around, retinal, what is retinal? Uh, Do you give your child that? Does it help? Is that all? What happens after that? Yes. So the first thing is the role of the parent that steps in as the advocate. So they need to start advocating for their child's rights. So when we look at how to help a a, a person with a learning disability, we firstly try to equalize the barrier. Mm -hmm. So a a metaphor I use with with my parents is to say, your child can swim and they can swim very good. It's just like sometimes the difficulty they're facing is adding weight Mm -hmm. to swimming. And if we compare their swimming ability then to other children's swimming ability, it would be unfair. So what we need to do is we need to equalize the barriers in in such a way where the the stability or the the difficulty they are facing is not hampering their performance or uh, they're not getting discriminated against unfairly. So so advocating for your child is very important. Mm -hmm. Then I would say communicating and making sure that all the stakeholders are on the same page. So your child's teacher, if they've been any other professionals like a speech therapist, occupational therapist, or a remedial teacher, that everybody's on the same page regarding where we're moving towards with your child. What are the values that you want to um, work around um, helping your child? Mm. Um, Then I would also say make sure that you do your research. Go look for second opinions. Go look for, but be careful of any height programs. So I've done quite extensive research on programs that work and stuff, and any program so far that says they have a cure mm-hmm. or that it's a fix, 
be very careful. Take that with a pinch of salt. It might be effective, but it's not necessarily a cure. And then uh, another mindset that I, I really like to, to, to tell parents is see this with compound interest. Any 1% difference that you make in the environment, uh, in the attitudes, uh, helping a child, that tends to have a compounding interest over a lifetime. So you might not see results now, but if there's a 1% difference, that will compound in a lifetime, maybe in confidence or opportunity mm-hmm. for your child. So just to be very patient as well. Okay, so you need to be, I suppose, the, the person that is the go-to person, the person that is uh, advocating for the child, the person that decides what is... Because after all, you know your child better than anybody else, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And what's very important is modeling the behavior that you want to see in your child. So so if you don't want your child to feel left out or excluded by, by a, a difficulty, um, you need to model the behavior. So to be open with con- uh, around the conversations with it and to be make sure that you don't uh, have a cringe or a, a bad facial expression every time that you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because that will rub off on the child. And so that practicing of self-acceptance um, um, and then most importantly what we term in psychology called self is the efficacy. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very high educational outcome. So your ability to master obstacles and mm. still achieve your goals despite the difficulties that you face. Mm. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, Afropolitans, 13 minutes after 7, you're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Sidebar with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. My name is uh, Sutume and I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy Van Sale. And on the line, I'm joined by Hannes Vessels, who is an educational psychologist. And we are talking about um, learning difficulties. At the moment, we're talking about ADHD, but we're open to talking about any other learning difficulties that your kids might be going through. Or maybe you've got any questions that you'd like to ask around learning um, challenges, uh, you know, maybe you're going through a learning challenge at the moment or you are not sure what it is you're going through at the moment and you just want to get an opinion. The number to dial is 86 So, Hannes, when does retinal come in? I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but when does that come in? So, I think you're referring to retinal. Um, yeah, so, unfortunately, as educational psychologist, medication is a little bit out of my scope. Mm-hmm. I, I can't comment on that, but what we the metaphor we normally use. So let's say, um, uh, often with ADHD, uh, it's almost like uh, we have these, as humans, we have supercomputers mm-hmm. on the brain. Mm. And uh, there's probably not a technology in the world at the moment that is as sophisticated as the human mind. So to understand it, it's totally difficult. But normally what happens with a child with ADHD or a person with ADHD, uh, it's almost like the, the engine can go full throttle, but the brakes are not... 100% development. Aha, uh-huh, okay. Yet. Mm. So, so what happens is, is that if the person really struggles with some self-regulation or impulse regulation or regulation of attention, um, there are some neurological uh, pinpoints that we can look at. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not a neuropsychologist, so I can't necessarily comment in detail uh, on it. But, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. But, but basically, it's, it's, it's that executive functioning, that regulation of attention, of impulses that are very important. Now, what we do know from research is that um, it's research from the States, um, I think it's from Berkeley um, from the States, and they followed up um, over a lifespan with, with people diagnosed with ADHD. And if it's a formal diagnosis, what we do know is that the multidisciplinary interventions have the highest effect size, meaning that if you receive uh, behavioral therapy and you receive medi- uh, psychotropical medical interventions, that both of them together 
mm-hmm. um, actually expand people's life by 13 years. Wow. Diagnosed by ADHD. So, so often there's, there's a lot of fake news and a lot of misinformation about medication and treatments and the diagnosis of ADHD. Uh, be very careful about the sources that you get it from. What we do know from research is that um, working with the psychiatrist and the medication and then the, all the interventions together actually help significantly over a lifespan. Okay, so talking about the multisensory and multidisciplinary, you know, just pulling in a whole lot of things um, in order to assist. Is yeah. it important for a child to go to a school that specializes? Can you leave a child in mainstream school and they're still able to cope? Or is it better for a child to go to a school that specializes? Yes. So that, that, the answer to that question is quite relative to each family's unique context. So um, according to the law of South Africa, so the, there's a document called Wife the Six, <laughs> and in that law basically says that every child has access education and we can't discriminate against any child's uh, access to education so if somebody has a learning disability they have a right to be in a, in a mainstream school mm-hmm. and according to the law we need to accommodate the child um, within the mainstream setting then by differentiated learning for instance or using different learning with, uh, modalities so on faith of that that sounds very good but unfortunately what we found is sometimes in practice a lot of our schools seem to be overwhelmed Mm-hmm. And it's not that they can't cater for your child, but to, to actually help with those 1% improvements compounding that, um, some children benefit more from that in a specialized school. Mm-hmm. Uh, other children tend to not benefit from it in a specialized school. So it really depends on the family system. And um, for some parents, it's actually, it works out um, more cost-effective if they put them in a school that has all these facilities included in the school fees. Mm-hmm. But for other parents, it actually is more beneficial to keep them in a mainstream school and then go for the, the therapies and, and things separate. Okay, Hannes, we've got a couple of callers, um, people that want okay. to obviously get an opinion from you, that want to find out what you think. Um, we've got Zalome, uh, Zalome giving us a call. Zalome, thank you so much for joining us. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Hello. Hi there, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. How are you, Zalome? I'm well, thank you. Um, so uh, my question to the psychologist is, what is the um, uh, the responsibility of the school in as far as supporting a child? Uh, my child has failed since grade one, um, mm-hmm. and she's now in grade four. So every single year she's failed. Um, and so she didn't feel it in the other years because they had to push her. I was told that she can't fail uh, within each, um, I don't know what you call it, but each, each quarter, it's like grade one to grade three. She mm-hmm. can't fail each year, but they kept pushing her. So um, now that she's in grade four, she had to fail and then repeat that year. Mm. So according to her, this is her second time failing. And so now meaning that all her friends are now in grade six and she's still in grade four. Okay. Okay. And um, when I told her, so I battled to you know, make her come to terms that she's going to repeat. You know, so her confidence is now on the floor. It's like zero. And um, so her first day at school today was absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. She cried when we went to school. She cried when she was at school. She cried at break time when she saw her friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So my question is, um, what is the responsibility of the school in supporting a child who's going through that? We have... 
Oh, sure, but we've just lost Zalome, but we'll try to get her um, on another line. Uh, our producer, Ernest, will try to get Zalome back. Um, but, uh, you know, Hannes, I think you got uh, you got the gist of what she was saying. Um, you oh. know, yeah. So, uh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a... It's not always a clear-cut answer in situations like this. So, and unfortunately, I don't know a lot about the situation, but so the school, regarding the school's responsibilities, they need to make sure that the child's rights are not being infringed, firstly, and that they could allocate the necessary sources to help equalize any barriers that the child is facing. So that's where the school-based support team, for instance, um, the SBST, they would then um, help with frequent uh, parent teacher conferences, for instance, they would um, need to allocate any remedial classes or mm-hmm. any extra support that they can. I, I would also think on the school side to, to be able to play open cards with, with parents to say um, where, uh, what is in their capacity and, and where can they help. And where can they not, off. yeah. Where can they not. So um, in that sense, uh, if the child is in the public school, it would be the school's responsibility to start applying for what we call an LSEN number, L-S-E-N, which stands for Learners of Special Educational Needs. <laughs> so it would be the school's responsibility to then keep track of the child's difficulties and the reasons for the repeating and the holding back. And then once they find that the child is being disadvantaged, um, then to, to move her to uh, our scene school possibly where she can get the necessary support. Mm-hmm. I would also advise Zonome uh, to maybe go for an educational psychological assessment and, and find out uh, what are, might be the mental processes that are hampering her progress and see if there's any interventions the educational psychologist can suggest. Mm-hmm. Zalume, I hope you got that. Have you have you gotten any diagnosis? Have you um, gotten any um, sort of? Mm? Yeah, so we are in the pro- the process started last year um, around September, but they told me it's a very lengthy process because we're in a public school. Mm-hmm. So um, um, she did see the psycho the the educational psychologist, and then they sent her for another assessment. But my frustration is, you know, what happens while we're waiting? Because they told me it could take up to a year and a half mm-hmm. for her to be placed in, in a remedial school. So while she's waiting for that, she has to go through the, the mainstream school. And I don't know um, how to support her. You know, every day I just tell her, um, you're going to go to a different school. Um, you know, she keeps saying that she's a failure, she's a failure, she's mm-hmm. different. Why did God make her like this? You know, like this is like every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess my question is, how do I support her during this period while we're waiting? And secondly, um, is, is there any responsibility from the school's point of view? Um, are they responsible for supporting the child from a counseling point of view or mm. is it just a parent's responsibility? Um, I wouldn't want to place that responsibility on the teachers if they're not supposed to do that. And, and, and I assume, you know, they've got other kids to look after, etc. But if we have a child that has a problem and we're waiting for help, is there any form of assistance in the meantime yes that's right okay hannes in the meantime is is there anything in particular she can do um in the meantime or the school can do um while we are waiting because this could take a while yeah so i don't know the resources that's available at the school but um most districts um uh, school districts um i know especially in do have allocated counselors and 
uh, psychologist that can help with counseling and stuff. Might not be at the school, but they can always refer to uh, uh, one of the district centres to be allocated somebody that can help with the counseling. Um, but saying that is, I do know that, that some of our school districts are quite overwhelmed, especially this time of year, to, mm-hmm. to get all the assessments and stuff through. So that might also be a lengthy process. And I hope you to answer the woman wants to hear. But advice I can give her is, if we look at factors that impact a person's um, academic success in life, there's a very interesting study um, that is done from Australia. But what they did is they looked at all the factors that we found uh, helps with education. And probably the, the two highest factors is what we call um, collective teacher efficacy, and mm-hmm. then the second one is a child's own self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is basically your belief in your own abilities to overcome certain obstacles and to persevere. Mm-hmm. And then, so what, 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 what I would focus on is to, to in the next few years or the, the while you're waiting to get placed, is just focus on one of those 1% victories that you can make with your child to say, okay, so realistically to do all of this homework today, um, let's focus on the first two that can help us move forward and we emphasize that. Mm-hmm. That builds confidence and interest um, and that, that efficacy to say, okay, I can persevere through this even despite the difficulties that I face. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you got that. Am um, I allowed to ask one last question? Uh, okay. I will take a minute. It's fine. You can ask your questions, Alam. Okay. Uh, when does one uh, make a call whether the child is able to go to school or not, or just go for um, skills? Um, I don't know what you call it, where you just put them straight for skills. You, you mean, know, um, like the, the back in the day, they used to call them the, the colleges. That's right. Mm. Instead of wasting time, um, through the mainstream education and just go straight to skills development so that they can be independent. Yeah. So, so currently our, our education system is um, normally the skill systems currently start here from grade 9. So what we try to do as an education system is to make sure that each child at least gets a grade 9 education and therefore they pivot into any skilled schools. But in order to determine what the, the right school placement for your child is, is where the educational psychological assessment would help. That's where you can actually, because what we look at is the difficulty in psychology. So if we think about a term of, of, uh, of intelligence, for instance, is we, it's not something tangible that we can touch. And so the only way that we can actually measure intelligence is by measuring some key processes, mm-hmm. memory, problem solving, verbal ability, processing speed, all those, and we then compare a person's ability on these uh, different gears, like I can say, compared to other children. When we can see that a child's abilities on some of these gears are significantly below uh, other children his or her age, that's when we start um, justifying very strongly then for for skilled schools or for other uh, adaptive CAPS curriculums would be the other option. So currently at school, it would not be necessarily a skilled school that you're going to place in. It would be a school that has an adapted cash curriculum. It's a, it's a very persistent difficulty. All right. Um, I hope that uh, that helps you, Zalome. Um, thank you very much for giving us your call. And I, I can only imagine how difficult this is for you and your family. But thank you very thank much. You, thank you. Thank you. So that was uh, Zalome giving us a call um, talking about, you know, her sp- her sp- 
her, her child who at the moment mm. seems like she's got um, special needs in terms of education. Yeah. And if you would also like to ask any questions, if you've got something that maybe you would like to find out, um, maybe your child is also going through, it might not be ADHD, it might be something else. Maybe your child struggles to read, uh, struggles to hold a pen. Um, you can give us a call on 0860000959. On the line, I've got Hannes Vessels, who's an educational psychologist. I'm going to take a short break, Hannes. When I come back, um, we'll wrap up the conversation. But if there are any callers that want to ask you any questions, I hope you'll be okay to take uh, the questions. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Great stuff. So, that, like I said, the number to dial is 0860000959 if you'd like to ask any questions about uh, learning challenges. If you are just joining us, it is uh, half past seven. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Sidebar with uh, Dr. Cindy Fansel. My name is Sotomayor and I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy. And uh, on the line, I'm talking to Hannes Vessels, who is an educational psychologist. And of course, we were having a discussion talking about um, ADHD and other learning disabilities. So, Hannes, before we let you go, I suppose the takeaway um, from this conversation um, what can parents take away? I mean, we've just had a parent who's going through a very difficult time. And I think sometimes these things are more manageable when you have the funds to do everything else yourself, right? But in some cases, it's, that's really not the case. You find that a parent has to wait for the school to assist them. You know, there's just no other way. There's nothing else that the parent can do but to just wait for the school um, to assist them. So what is the takeaway from this? If you are in a similar situation, you know, things are just not going well. Your child, I mean, you know, Zalumi talked about the fact that her child has zero confidence at the moment. Um, just watching all your friends um, going to big, to higher grades and just doing better and you remain in, in the same spot. What is the takeaway for parents? Yeah, I think it's, it's important to normalize any struggles. So uh, each of us has a struggle. And unfortunately what happens is when we start struggling, it's almost like a big beach ball that we have in a swimming pool. And, and we believe we can only enjoy the swimming pool once we get rid of this big ball. So often what we do is we start fighting with the ball and we, we try to push it under the water. And what happens is when this starts happening in a family, our whole experience of the child's schooling and learning becomes the struggle with this one difficulty. Mm-hmm. And often we forget what's the value of it in the family or what do we want to stand for as a family. So if it is to have some fun, often while we are fighting with this to get rid of this, this thing called uh, school difficulties and and comparison, whatever, is our whole experience starts just narrowing to, to stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. conflict. So what I would say is, is to not let the disability or the uh, difficulty define your child or you as a family and, go, and focus on the things that do bring you joy. And, and that, that connection that you have your child and the way that you model overcoming this difficulty, those lessons are, are very valuable. I was just want to say that um, the Lumi, she can, she can just um, maybe contact me via my Facebook or Instagram page. Um, yes, and then I'll, I can give her a document of all the schools in Gauteng that, that she can maybe contact directly and speed up the process for us for her to, to place the child in a better, well, not a better, but in a, a more functional schooling environment. Thank you so much. Um, so you said via your Facebook or your Instagram page, yeah. and you'll be able to give yeah. her a list of those schools. Yes. So yeah. So then I can, I'll just email that to her. So it's just at Hannes Edzak on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, oh. That it says she can just DM me or something, then I'll, I'll give her that list. And also, what I did for your readers is um, I quickly drafted a blog about learning disabilities and what to look out for and some mm-hmm. stuff. But they can, if they just go to my website, HannesFaisal.com. 
Okay, great stuff. Thank you so much, Hannes. I'm just going to ask you one last time to just give us those ads, um, your, your your Twitter, and what did you say? Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just your ads. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also link it, but so it'll be at Hannes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, so is it the same for all the different platforms? All the different platforms with the same handle. Okay, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, sorry, say that again, Hannes. What were you saying? No, no, so yeah, so they can. I I was just giving me one of those platforms and I'll I'll allocate, I'll send that document to all the schools that she can. Thank thank you so much for joining us, Hannes. I see there's a caller here. I'm not sure if there's a question for you or, you know, if there's something else that they want to talk about. But I see there was a caller here um, that uh, I'm not sure what the conversation is going to be. Our producer is still having a chat to him. Um, But I'm just going to let you know, Hannes, if we need to get back to you um, with any questions, I'm sure we can. Yeah, of course. Yeah, please do. I'm always advocating and and, and, um, educating people on topics um, on, on ah, I think we've got the caller. Sorry, Hannes. Yeah. I think we've got the caller just in time, yeah. literally just in time. Hi, how are you? And thank you so much for joining us. I'm good, and you? I'm good. Who are we speaking to? You're speaking to Ngoas Hi, thank you so much for joining us. Literally made it in the nick of time, just before we said goodbye. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. And what is your question? I would like to advise the lady. I don't have any question. I, ah, you want to give advice, yeah. I'm having a, a daughter who's having a Williamson syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there's a school around Houting, which is called Gap College. Mm. If the lady, after the assessment and so forth, if the lady, she can take time and then go to uh, Gap College and find out some information, maybe she can get help there. Because there, in that school, there's a lot of kids having different, uh, I, I may not say problems, Different challenges, yeah. yeah. Different challenges, but when kids get there in that school, they become uh, happy. Uh, uh, it's it's an environment where they, they, they find themselves, if I can put it so. Mm-hmm. Um, the line is a bit bad, but I understand what you're saying. You know, they get to the school uh, and my daughter is she's ten years, ten ten years last day October. Mm. Is she's she's going to that school? I see her in a different way every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you say the name of that school is again? Gap College. Get College. Gap College. Oh, Gap Gap College College. Gap College yeah. Okay, thank you so much, and thank you very much for the advice. All right, thank, thank you. you. Is that another? Is that a school that you're yeah. familiar with, Hannes? Um, yes, I am. So, um, yeah, and I, I've had some good. Um, Referrals uh, and, and people that have good track, but um, so not not. So I, I'm cautious on uh, recommending specific schools. Uh, it's quite uh, on that, but I, I I do know of the school and I do know the great work that they do. Um, but looking, so what's interesting is um, when you look at school systems that really do well. Mm-hmm. You'll find, and, and I hope it's for the same uh, uh, way this, this the caller's child is, but mm-hmm. what you look at is uh, what tactical collective teacher efficacy. So mm-hmm. the, the body, the teacher body, belief in their ability to help children. So often that happens. So often in big schools, the, the teachers feel less competent to help a child with specific needs. But if you move a child to a school that can accommodate for, uh, for their barriers, 
then the efficacy of the teachers go up. So the teachers feel very competent and involved. And that, that's a factor. So you want to move your child and you have the ability to do that. Because look at the culture of the school and see if everybody's on the same page regarding how they assist and what, what they do stand for at the school. So that would be a tip that I would give parents if they want to move schools is to look at the culture of the school and see if everybody's on the same page about the belief to, to able to assist and how realistically they, they, they communicate that. Okay. So that, that culture of acceptance and the culture of normalizing struggle, that does wonders for children. Okay. I've got another caller here for you, Hannes. Uh, Vusi, thank you so much for joining us and good evening. Hello. Hi. How are you, Vusi? Good, very, very, very well. Mm. Uh, I just needed to, to add a little bit of uh, my contribution to the subject. Mm. I had a child, when he started school, right, mm. he he seemed to have been uh, very below par to compare to his, to his mate mm. in class. He's in high school now. He's doing better than those kids. And he was supposed to have gone to OT. He went to OT for one or two years and didn't help. For some reason, I felt that these teachers are working with OT practitioners. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, he was not getting the attention he was supposed to get. He's in a normal school, and he was recommended to go to a transformation school in Boxburg. Mm. I don't want to mention the name of that school, mm. but I really, really, really think that parents to take very good note of the progress of the child before they actually take them to schools are like this because they're confining them to something else. And what did you do, Vusi? What did you do to help your child? Because I'm sure you didn't just sit there and say, oh. I was very stubborn. Because, you know what, let me tell you, I was very stubborn and I actually believed in him that he will improve with time. Mm. They didn't believe that. Hence, I was saying that I think that there was some kind of a confusion with the teachers. Because all the teachers, it's either one, it's either the eyes, or she's slow, or something else. But eventually when you go to, after grade four, he was a much better person. Mm. He's at a normal school, he's doing very, very well. I think the parents must be very, very wary of these so-called experts. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, because he did say, honey. They diagnose the child and they can confine the child to a very, very bad place. Mm-hmm. In a pandemic space. No, I but hear now, he's 100%, even his speech has improved. I understand what the problem was, but I really, really feel that parents should take very, very good notes and get very good, 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 reputable professionals to diagnose their kids. They mustn't take the teachers' wait for it. These teachers are not, no, I'm not saying all of them. Yeah. I'm saying that in that case, they were very wrong. I could have had my son in a special school where he's not supposed to have been. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us, Vusi. And I suppose it is what you say, um, what you said, Hannes, before we let you go. I know I've been saying we're going to let you go, we're going to let you. It is what you said, but the parent has to be the biggest advocate. You know better. You know what your child is like. You know what your child needs. You know that they might just need a little bit of a push, a little bit of help. And sometimes you can even see as the parent that it's not just a matter of a push and a shove. It's that my child needs special help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's me. So the advocacy uh, as a parent is extremely important and that's also why it's always advice to see a, a professional regarding this because we, we don't take di- diagnoses and things very lightly, mm. especially in the South African context. Um, it's very important for us to be accurate with what we are saying and how we are helping. So that's why we take so much information um, into consideration. Like 
the, the home circumstances of a child mm-hmm. when from the present. Um, exposure to, to language. That also, uh, if you just imagine how many children in South Africa go to grade one, and English is their second language, and now they have to learn how to read, write. In a language well. that you've never spoken, yes. In a language that we've spoken, so we take that into consideration as well. So that's why we, we always say is we look at a persistent problem despite having evidence-based uh, treatments or interventions. Oh. So, yeah, so that's why we look at... So often um, what will happen is often parents would send the child to an educational psychologist and they won't get a diagnosis immediately because we need to rule out any other factors as well that can cause the same problem. So sometimes it can be a memory problem. Sometimes it can be just a, a, a visual problem as well. So we, we try to rule out all of those factors before we actually make a diagnosis and a, and a recommendation. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Hannes. And thank you for giving us so much of your time and taking all those calls and giving out the advice. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, no, only a pleasure. And if there's anybody that wants to reach out, they're more than willing to contact me on those websites. I'll allocate some resources and stuff for them. Thank you. Thank you so much. The blog will be probably going live tonight. Thank you so much, Hannes. And good luck. I'm saying good luck. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. Hey? Thank you for the good work that you're doing on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're just joining us, almost quarter to eight, um, still coming up, we're going to be talking dyslexia. We switch gears now. We're going to be talking uh, dyslexia and we're going to be joined on the line by Sharon Gherkin. Still, you know, same thing. If you'd like to ask any questions, give us a call on 86 and she will be taking your calls around dyslexia. Now then, like I said, we switch gears to Sharon Gherkin, who is from Dyslexia Association of South Africa. We're going to be talking about dyslexia because today we're talking about learning challenges and um, we've just talked to, uh, at length we've spoken at length about ADHD now we're going to talk about um, dyslexia Sharon thank you so much for your patience and for waiting not a problem absolutely thank you so much so the first thing I'm going to ask is for and I know it might sound like a very silly question but for somebody that doesn't know what is dyslexia well, you know what, I think if most people think of dyslexia, they, they sort of associate it with people writing names backwards or letters backwards or, mm-hmm. you know, not writing numbers. But actually what dyslexia means, it means difficulty with lexia, so reading and writing. Okay. And I absolutely agree with, with Hannes, is that we look at a persistent problem. So if the child has had OT and they've had all the assessment, but they just cannot get it right, then we start looking at something called dyslexia. Because it can be, it can be your memory, it can be processing speed, it can be visual problems. We have to say those are not the problems before it can be diagnosed. And it only is diagnosed by an educational psychologist once again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if we're looking at dyslexia and now we're trying to figure out whether or not a child has dyslexia. What are some of the signs? What are we looking for? I mean, you know, you did say earlier on, and it was very true what you said, when we think about dyslexia, we think, no, they write their names backwards. They read from the right. You know, we've got all sorts of myths about what dyslexia is. But what are some of the things that you are looking at when you suspect that your child or anybody else, and because it could be adults as well, may have dyslexia. What are some of the things that we are looking for? So when we look at younger children, we start looking at children in preschooling that are battling with their rhyming and battling with their first sounds, remembering the first sounds of the letters. Mm. Children that you know verbally are incredibly strong, 
But when it comes to translation... Oh, Sharon, I think um, the line is a little bit bad. Um, so I didn't, we didn't catch just a little bit of that. Okay. You were talking about that, you know, we look for mm, yeah, a children's crush. Mm. Let me just stand up and see if it makes a difference. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, much, much better. Thank you so much, okay, uh, Sharon. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So what we look at in young children is basically the child who knows is very, very strong. So they'll come home and you won't necessarily know there's something wrong, but they start to fall behind in their letter recognition and their re- letter sounding. And they might not do as well on um, rhymes and poems and, and little that they have to remember. So this comes we start to look at. And, and preschooler. And then when, when a child gets to grade three and grade four, that's when we start seeing dyslexia because they start falling further and further behind because these children are generally quite clever. Mm-hmm. They have coping skills, but they fall further and further behind because the amount of reading and writing is getting a lot more. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's when we usually get a diagnosis, when you get to about yes. grade three. Yes, yes. And grade three and four, and sometimes you can't quite put your finger on it, but you as a parent, you know that this child verbally is strong. If if somebody, you know, you would never guess that they would battle at school, and then we start to see the shortfalls. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's usually when we uh, consider yes. dyslexia. Um, yes. We've got some calls for you as well. Already we've got the calls that are starting, Sharon, where people want to ask you questions. If you are joining us, the number to dial is 086 We're talking about learning challenges. We're talking to Sharon Gerken, who is from the Dyslexic Association of South Africa. And joining us now on the line is Vosi. Vosi, thank you so much for joining us and good evening. Hello, hi. My name is Vosi. I called in a bit earlier. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, Vosi. Yeah. I, I just needed to pose one question to, the, to your speaker again. Mm. Um, you know what, this is my observation, right? And I'd like to pose it to you, and I'd like to be very honest, and I'd like you to be very, very honest. So my child went to a school, he was in a private school, right? Mm-hmm. So it seemed that only the black kids that had challenges were referred to OT. Why is that the case with white children that had challenges in class that were never referred to OT, is that an, is that is that something that is that is that that prevails, or is it? I don't know. Can you just correct? Okay. Uh, I. I cannot answer that question because I don't think I'm, you know, I don't think I'm qualified to answer the question. Um, yeah. I, I, I honestly don't think I'm qualified for to answer that question. The only thing I can say, and this is just me talking personally as my own person, I'm not representing anyone. I think sometimes mm-hmm. you are not aware of other people's situations, right? So when you are diagnosing and stuff, when when you're looking at your child, they might not have the same issues as the next child. So their issues mm-hmm. might be a little bit different. They might need something else. Maybe their issues needs um, extra learning uh, uh, outside of school. You know what I mean? Maybe yours needs... Th- that's just my personal take, that it's not always... You, you can't, one shoe does not uh, fit everyone. 
we are not you can't put everybody with a blanket and say okay if every child that has a, a an issue we treat them this way i would imagine that there might be different nuances different problems different things and you know you deal with them in different ways that's just my personal opinion vusi but i know that sharon cannot speak on that um so that's my opinion you know you can you, you know, know you can take it you I'm, can I'm, yeah. so sure. I'm not trying to advance whatever yeah. thing. no I'm, i i understand i understand that is my observation that even the kid my son was really was struggling right mm. but the kid that was struggling that way he was struggling even way more than him yeah. i can tell you about it that that is i'm 100% sure that he was struggling and they were making worse grades than his but they were never referred to an ot you know what? Maybe there's a topic somewhere in there, Vusi. But thank you so much for joining us. We've just got 10 minutes left of the show, so we just want to oh, get through the dyslexia. No, 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 no it's no. fine. Yeah. Listen, we always okay. appreciate the calls. Yeah. I always appreciate anybody that is willing to pick up the phone and call. But maybe there's a topic yeah. somewhere in there. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Vusi. Cool. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That was uh, Vusi giving us a call again um, because he's got something very important to get off his chest and that he wanted to discuss. Um, Sharon, however, I know you can't really talk to that because um, we're talking specifically dyslexia at the moment. Yes, so we talked about, you know, usually the grades where dyslexia is usually picked up is about grade three or four. Now, how does it work with dyslexia? Is it that does the child, can the child remain in mainstream school, mainstream education and still have dyslexia? Um, yes. Oh, the line is so bad, Sharon. Um, we're struggling to hear you. Uh, maybe um, if you can just move around just a little bit. Sure, uh, sure. Mm, mm. Uh, um, sorry. Mm. Okay, you know what I'm going to do, Sharon? I'm going to put you back to our producer, Ernest, and hopefully he can um, get you on a much better line. Um, and then we'll get back and talk to you about um, dyslexia. So that is uh, Sharon Gherkin, who is from Dyslexia Association of South Africa, talking to us about dyslexia. But of course, we're having troubles with the line. And hopefully Ernest can try to work some magic there and um, make sure that we get to chat to her. We've got another call coming through. Good evening. And how are you? Fine, thanks. How are you, ma'am? I'm good. Thank um, you. Mm. Yes, my name is Chipil. I have a son who's 12, he'll be turning 13 this year. Mm. Um, since he was young, I could see he struggled with uh, writing and reading. And I tried few interventions, speech therapists, occupational therapists, educational therapists. And with the educational therapist, he was classified as borderline. And for me... As borderline what? ADHD, borderline what? ADHD. Okay. But then for me as a parent, then I thought that would give me hope. Probably he might progress. Mm. But now he's, he's, he's going to turn 13. And it is now at this point that he can write maybe words with four letters. Like, mommy, I love you, this and this. And I think sometimes as parents, it, there are times that you feel defeated, you know. Mm. You tried this, you tried that. You get this diagnosed. The other one said no. That one was wrong, and that one was not. And I think I'm not sure whether maybe after every two years or after every three years you should go for another test so that they could tell you at what level mm-hmm. of dyslexia is your child is. Because sometimes you feel like as much as you want to do intervention, am I losing money? Will I get better results? You know, it's a big dilemma as a parent because you also want your child to succeed. But it, it is tough, mm-hmm. emotionally so. It mm-hmm. feels so heavy. 
especially now in January. don't know what to do. No, listen, but I... I, I just mind. I know exactly what you mean. I really do. So you said your child is borderline ADHD, but not dyslexic, right? Because I... I, I, I I, I haven't got a proper diagnosis with uh, dyslexia, but I'm, 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 I've been trying to get somebody who can assess him because I can see he can't write, he he can't read, he switches ways. Sometimes, you know, it, it's just something I don't know. Okay, let's maybe get Sharon, um, maybe just to give us a bit of advice when it comes to the point about where you say he can't read, he can't write, you know, the words, uh, you know, I, I, they're switched. Um, I definitely, I definitely can um, sympathise with the mom. Is that um, often children with dyslexia have ADHD? They coexist, and often when a child has severe dysle- uh, ADHD, they they show the symptoms of having dyslexia because they can't concentrate enough in class to get the sounds and the information that's coming in, mm-hmm. so they can show signs of dyslexia. Okay, so and, mm. and and an educational psychologist, if mom goes, and um, if she if they don't have a medical aid, we we have ways of getting tests done. But if we get a child diagnosed with dyslexia, we can get them assistance in the classroom. Okay, um, can she go through Dyslexia Association of South Africa? Yes, yes, she can send me and and she can she's welcome to send me an email. And uh, just give me her number and I'll give her a call and I'll, I'll talk her through it. Okay, we'll do just that. Um, can you give out your email or would you rather... Le- yes, it's, no, no, it's Please fine. do, it's please. Info, mm. info mm-hmm. at dyslexic, very hard word to spell, southafrica.com. Okay. Info as, at dyslexic, southafrica.com. Yes. Did, okay. you, did you get that, mum? Yes. All right. Thank you so much. And and thank you so much for calling. And, you know, and you are fighting a really good fight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Um, we've got another caller that we're going to try to squeeze in before we say goodbye. Good evening, Louis. How are you? I'm fine. And you? Um, oh, Louise. Hi. How are you, Louise? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. And you? I'm good. Mm. Okay, so my children were diagnosed with dyslexia end of last year, um, both my children, grade six and grade three. Mm. Um, and of course, I'm out of my thoughts. So we've been with the educational type, uh, psychologist. We are now with OT. Um, I've been to the eye specialist. Uh, literally, we started now with dyslexia therapy. So my question is, you know, financially, this gets to a point mm-hmm. where it, it gets a lot. Is this dyslexia therapy and all of that stuff, you know, is it like really needed? Does this dyslexia therapy actually work? Because mm-hmm. it looks like it's just writing of words. Can you advise on that or give any other um, alternatives? Yeah. We can do yes. Okay, um, let's hear from we Sharon. Can, we, oh. we know that we we know that dyslexia is a genetic thing, so. Can we get rid of it? No, we can't. It is a, it is definitely, but can we teach them to read and write? Yes, we can. But it's a very long process and we sometimes have to overlearn it. But once again, if mom can send me an email with the details of what they're doing and what dyslexic programs they're doing, I can try and help her and point her in the direction um, that, you know, a lot of dyslexic children take. Um, but it does, you know, it, it, it's, it's a financial drain and you feel frustrated as a parent because you don't necessarily see the difference 
Um, and I think that's often what we've got to do as parents is when you feel that it's not helping, do you continue this, the, the therapy because it does cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Sharon. Yeah. Louise, did you get that? Did you get the, the email address or must I ask Sharon to give out the email address again? I've got it. Thank you very much. You've got it. Thank you. Maybe, you know, just give her a shout and you never know. You might, maybe this is just like the one step um, before you get the help that you need. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Louise. We've come to the end of the show, Sharon. I feel like I am so sad because, you know, people want to ask you questions and, you know, there's all sorts of questions about dyslexia, but it's time for us to say goodbye. I just want to ask you quickly, you know, just to wrap up, you know, just quickly in 30 seconds, you know, the big takeaway about dyslexia, where to start? I mean, if you are sitting at home and you're listening and you're not sure where to start, where's the first first step uh, where you can start with helping your child? You know what? Uh, uh, my, my biggest first would be let's get a diagnosis because if we get a diagnosis we can force schooling schools to help us without a formal diagnosis we as parents have our hands tied behind our backs and we watch our children struggle mm-hmm. so get a formal diagnosis first before get you do a formal diagnosis and even if it doesn't state that it's a dyslexia they might say they have a learning difficulty in reading and writing but that allows the child extra uh, time when writing exams they allowed spelling concessions they mm-hmm. allowed sometimes scribes they, you know what so without a diagnosis we cannot help them we need that diagnosis in order to force um, education departments to give us concessions alright thank you so much for joining us thank you An very much absolute pleasure An thank absolute you pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That brings us to the end of the show. I literally have two seconds to just say goodbye. I'm back tomorrow. Same time, same place right here on Kai FM 95.9.